It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- 3-1-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 14th, 2016. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Second program of 2016. Glad to be here tonight and to look forward to a timely topic. Well, you know, I think we do have a timely topic. Uh, it's been all in the news and lots of people have been talking about this big Powerball uh, drawing that happened last night. I understand that there were some winners Uh the jackpot had reached $1.5 billion, largest ever, biggest record jackpot, and people were racing around to buy lottery tickets. Yeah, uh, I saw the um, – they were selling $600 million worth of tickets every hour yeah. last night. Yeah. And so, obviously, they didn't lose any money on the Powerball. No, they don't lose even, money on that, yeah. no. Yeah. Uh, but people were – we're in Tennessee. Unfortunately, now you can buy lottery tickets in Tennessee. We fought that battle several, several years ago and lost it. Yeah. But I saw a news article where, where our neighbors to the south in Alabama, where they still can't buy lottery tickets, were streaming north to Tennessee in order to get a chance to lose their money in the Powerball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every one of them did. Yeah. Uh, uh, so um, – we thought it's been, I think, almost 10 years since we last talked about gambling. We've talked about it before on the Virtual Bible Study, but uh, you suggested maybe it would be a good time to review what's wrong with gambling. And yeah. so that's what we want to talk about tonight. All right. We'll look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. If you're in the chat room tonight, below your video feed is the window where you can sign in with other listeners and chat about the topic tonight, and uh, we have some questions you sent out earlier today. Yeah, to our update list earlier today, we always remind you get on our list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Say, put me on the list. We will. You'll get our midday Thursday update telling you what our topic is and asking you some questions uh, that we're going to be discussing during the program. Today, we sent out these questions. Number one, what is the proper definition of gambling and what elements are necessary before an activity becomes gambling? Okay. Number two, is it gambling to take a risk of any kind, to buy or sell stocks, to have insurance, to compete for or accept prizes? Now, but what we're trying to do here is hone in on what exactly are we talking about when we talk about gambling that is a sin. We think right. we are going to be able to say it's a sin, but not everything that some people might associate as gambling is necessarily fits the bill of sinful gambling. Okay. So we're trying to get a handle on the definition. Number three is the amount of money or value of a thing critical in determining if the activity is gambling. Are you you're you're asking that because the Powerball ticket was just two dollars? You only had spent two dollars. Yeah. So I mean, is that bad? Is that really bad? Right. Uh, number four, if you think gambling is not a sin, state the reasons why. We may not get any answers to that. But number five, if you think gambling is a sin, that's where we're coming from. State the reasons why. We'll talk about why the reasons, what the reasons we think gambling is a sin. If you don't think it is, by all means, please correspond with us either by email or in the chat room. Or we got the phone open with a toll-free number, 877-381-4567. Uh, come on in and, and, and show, tell us why you think that buying that $2 Powerball ticket would not be sinful. We'd, we'd love to hear that because that's not where we're coming from. We'll tell you that right up front. But but if you think it, that would be an acceptable thing to do, please tell us why. All right. We want to hear from you again. Uh, the toll-free line is open, or just sign in the chat room and send your thoughts in there. Lots of buzz about it this week. Everybody was, uh, it seemed everybody was playing it. Uh, yeah. uh, so. and, and, well, you know, it's much in the news, but gambling goes on all the time. I've got some rather dated studies here, but the University of Michigan says that two out of every three Americans gambles every year. Two out of three. 
the average wager in legal gambling exceeds $50 billion a year. And uh, total gambling activity, according to U.S. News, is in the trillions of dollars because there's a lot of illegal gambling going on, too. Oh, yeah. There's probably way more illegal gambling than there is legal gambling. Gallup says 60% of the U.S. population gambles, 80% approve of legal gambling, Mm. and and almost all states, I think there's only eight states now, maybe eight or 12, I can't remember what I heard the other day, that don't have some sort of a lottery. All right. Um, One of the things that I think is kind of interesting is this is not a new question. This This is not a new activity. This has been going on for a long time, and it's been a problem in the church for a long time. Uh the second century Christian writer Tertullian wrote, now get this, he's, he, he was writing as a Christian in the second century A.D., I mean, just shortly after the church began. He said, if you say you are a Christian when you are a dice player, you say what you are not because you are a partner with the world. Wow. So that, that, that gives you the idea that they were, they were battling this issue Right. You know, just shortly after the church began, there were people in the church who were, who were engaged in gambling, and, and they were being condemned for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, we, we think it's a worthy subject to discuss. All right. We have Monty behind the controls tonight. Monty, thank you for coming uh, to be a part of the program. It's been a long time since we've had you here. Well, 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 well I forgot how to turn your microphone on. <laughs> I said, thank you, Jacob. It's good to be back. Good to have you here. And uh, I don't know, were they uh, around the shop this week? Uh Talking about how they were going to strike it rich. Actually, I hadn't heard nobody mention it. Oh, you hadn't. I I I was at the hardware store right near where I live in our small community, and uh, talking to the guy as, as I was checking out, and I and something was said about the Powerball, and he said, "I'm buying," and he he went on to explain that several of them had joined together in a pool and were buying multiple tickets, you know, and they would share the winnings if they won, but. Uh, he wasn't going to pass up on a good deal like that. He <laughs> oh, he said it was a good deal. Yeah, he thought that was, it would just be crazy to pass up on a chance to win that yeah. billion-dollar-plus okay. uh, Powerball lottery. Jacob. All right. So uh, so let's dive into this, Jacob. And, and let's, I think with lots of things, this in particular, it's really important uh, for us to get a good handle on what we're talking about as far as gambling, the kind that we're condemning. You know, the kind of gambling we think the Bible would condemn. We need we didn't need to know what constitutes it. Uh, is it a sin? Uh, can you know one of the things people would challenge? How can you say that gambling is specifically sinful when the Bible doesn't even mention it? Would you agree? I would agree. That <laughs> I guess I will. <laughs> the Bible doesn't even use the word gamble. It doesn't. It doesn't. It never says thou shalt not gamble. It never says gambling is a sin. It never says that. And so some people say, how can you say it's a sin when the Bible doesn't even say so? It doesn't even name it. How can you say it's a sin? We'll try to deal with that. And that's a a more broad question. Does the Bible have to explicitly condemn it by name before it condemns the action? And And, and that's that's a bigger question. Go ahead. And then here's another question. How can you condemn that person who's buying that $2 lottery ticket when you invest in the stock market? And maybe lose a thousand dollars if the, top, the stock market takes a big downturn. You lost a thousand dollars. This guy just lost two dollars buying the lottery ticket. You lost a thousand dollars on the stock market. How come you say he's wrong and you claim you're not? Right. So, those are the kind of questions we got to deal with. Okay. All right. Uh, guest thirty-five eighty-eight in the chat room. Would you like to see people worship in the same lines that were buying those pieces of paper? Worship has real hope, and gambling is worldly. Yeah, it would be great to see people as excited about going to worship services as they were excited to get in line, stand in line, in order to buy lottery tickets. That's right, and there, that's an excellent point. Thank you, 3588. There is hope uh, that comes with God, and, and with the worldly possessions of the earth, there is no hope. So good, good comment. Thank you for that. Let's start out by just giving some definitions from some dictionary sort of sources. I got Webster's Dictionary says to gamble. To play a game for money or property. I think that may be oversimplistic. Uh, World Book Dictionary says to play games of chance for money or other valuable stakes. That may still not really, I think, do the job carefully enough. World Book Encyclopedia says gambling is betting on the outcome of a future event. Uh, gamblers usually bet money or something else of value as a stake on the outcome they predict. When the outcome is settled, 
the winner collects the loser's stake. I think yeah. that's getting a lot closer to the kind of definition that we're looking for. Right. Okay. Um, it, it is uh, okay. You, you may have to re- reiterate those elements then that are required. Okay. Let me read that definition again, and then we'll, we'll talk about what are the necessary elements here. World Book Encyclopedia says gambling is betting on the outcome of a future event. Gamblers usually bet money or something else of value as a stake on the outcome they predict. When the outcome is settled, the winner collects the loser's stake. Yeah. So uh, from that definition, I think it's a good definition. I think that's the most thorough of the definitions we read. From that definition, I'd say there's got to be at least three things present to make a thing a real gambling proposition. Okay. One would be an uncertain event. Now, that's a, a, an uncertain event that is uh, arbitrarily determined. In other words, you know, we don't know how this is going to turn out. It could go either way. We're not certain. It's going to, you know, the, so it has to be an uncertain event. There has to be a stake, mm-hmm. not a stake like the stake you eat, but a oh, right, stake, right. S-T-A-K-E, uh, uh, something of value that you put at risk or chance, you, you agree on beforehand. I'll bet you $5. Right. Uh, that, you know, this number will be in the Powerball position on the lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, they're probably with some of that going on. Now they, they were betting on uh, officially through Powerball and betting unofficially on Powerball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, so so something of value is put up uh, at, at, to be won or lost. Right. And then there must be a winner and a loser. Uh, you know, for it to be gambling, you put up something of value and make it, Available. I put up something available and make it uh, uh, available and make it available. We we are trying to predict the outcome of this event. Who's going to win the presidential election? You say Donald Trump. I say Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. I bet you a hundred dollars, right, that Hillary will beat Donald Trump in the election. So we both have a hundred dollars. So we stay. got a hundred up. We, one of us is going to lose a hundred dollars. So when when the outcome of the election is determined. Then, if you're right, you get you you keep your hundred and you get mine. If I'm right, I keep my hundred and get yours. But there's a winner and a loser in this sort of a gambling proposition that we're talking about. All right. What do you think about gambling? Then those uh, elements. Uh, Thirty-five eighty-eight says greed is a sin, and we're going to get uh, to that as to why gambling is wrong. We think that's one of the fundamental reasons why it is wrong is that greed. Uh, and so there's a risk, an uncertain event. And I'm putting something of value at stake along with you, and one of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose. Exactly right. Okay. Yeah. Um, we got an email from Kyle, our friend Kyle, who sometimes is running the board. He says he's not feeling well tonight, so Kyle, get better out there. He says, the Bible does not say thou shalt not play the lottery, but it does condemn it on principle. Uh and that's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna go to. And, and I think he's exactly right. You were saying earlier. How people say, how can you condemn gambling when the Bible doesn't even mention the word? It condemns it not because it says the word, but because it it condemns the underlying principles and activities that are involved in it. I, and I dare say there are some who are who would be hesitant to condemn something unless it's explicitly condemned in the Bible. And if that is the case, we couldn't condemn things like adultery. We couldn't condemn. Embezzlement. I mean, what what other things could you not could you not condemn if it had to be explicitly stated verbatim? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I appreciate Kyle for saying that. Yeah, exactly right. All right, all right. Uh, let, let's take our break, and when we get back, let's talk we, before we can go into what's wrong with gambling and why it's a sin. I think we need to spend a little time talking about some things that are not sinful gambling, like. I think we're going. To, we need to include a discussion about buying stocks, uh, buying and selling stocks, uh, uh, buying insurance, getting prizes, that sort of thing. But let's do that. Let's get our break, and when we come back from our break, uh, let's talk about some of the things that people say. Well, you buy you buy stocks on the you know you on Wall Street, same thing. Let's let's talk about that. You drive your car in traffic, same thing. That's a gamble. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about that. Uh, on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. 
Hi, I'm Anthony Petrochko, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you that our website, www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com, has lots of valuable study tools available for your use. First, you can find archives of all our past programs there. We've covered a wide variety of topics, including doctrinal issues, moral and ethical questions, and many things related to living daily as a Christian. And while we don't have a search engine option on our website, remember that you can hit Control-F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit Control-F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about contemporary worship and hand clapping? Our worship, pleasing to God or pleasing to man, and instrumental music in worship. That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the webpage can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Faith that does not act is a faith that is just an act. What if God was only faithful when he felt like it, only dependable part of the time, only loving on special occasions? If you say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere, you miss a very important point. That is, you can be sincerely wrong. There is no glue that holds a family together better than a mutual awareness of God and His will. Parenting is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Answer the big question of eternity and all the little questions of life fall into perspective. The Christian life is a pilgrimage from earth to heaven and our task is to take as many as possible with us as we make this journey. By God's mercy we don't get what we deserve, but rather by His grace we get what we don't deserve. Man, wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight talking about uh, gambling. Is it wrong? What do the scriptures teach? Let us know your thoughts. We look forward to hearing from you. I really think that our definition is so important here because uh, if you've got an uncertain event, a stake, and a winner and loser, if those elements exist, you've got gambling. But if those don't all exist, then you don't. Ha- if that doesn't fit the model, then it's not the gambling that we're talking about that we think the Bible condemns. Let's talk about, for instance, Jacob. Uh, it's not gambling to just take a risk. Yes. Uh, you know, so gambling is sometimes people try to make it synonymous with taking a risk. But you, as you said, driving in traffic, you're taking a risk to drive in traffic. You're taking a risk if you walk across the street. Uh, but that's not gambling. Uh, the reason would be because there's no stake you're not gaining at another's loss. You could make it a gamble. You could say, "I bet you five dollars you can't go across the street." <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I, I, we could make it a gambling proposition. But just the venturing out and taking some risk uh, to do something uh, is not gambling. Farming is a risk. Every year, when a farmer puts his seed in the ground and spends a good bit of money in order to prepare the soil and buy the seed right. and fertilize it and everything he's taking a risk if if he doesn't get uh, uh, the rain in due time uh, if it frosts late or early or something else happens right. he, he could lose his investment in the but it's it's not a risk i mean excuse me it is a risk but it's not, not a gambling. gambling right gambling because he may lose right but nobody else has gained because he lost yes you know so I mean, we can't. It's it'd be hard to even quantify, Monty, all the risks that we take in a day-to-day life. I mean, even folks who try to be conservative and uh, and cautious are taking enormous risk throughout the day. You know, when you get right down to it, every breath I take, I'm risking that I'm going to breathe in some germ that's right. going to kill me right. or make me deathly ill or yeah. whatever. And so, you know, just the fact that we're alive. In this world today is a risk on our part, yeah. but we're not going to go out and not be alive just to eliminate that risk. Right. Um, uh, as as we were saying earlier, you know, if a farmer has a good year with his crops, everybody gains, nobody loses. He gains, but it, nobody loses in order for him to gain because his crops did well. Now that's important because you went back to those elements. There yeah. has to be a winner and a loser. Yeah. And there is no loser if 
a drought hits. I mean, no winner if the drought hits and, and no loser. He loses, but there's no winner. Nobody yeah. benefits. Necessarily. Yeah. And if he has a good year, everybody benefits. Right. Nobody loses. So uh, starting a business, start, there's a risk. There's a big risk associated with starting a business, but it's not gambling. Yeah. Uh, so just taking a risk is not gambling. Here's one, though, that some people have a problem with, buying and selling stocks. Um, is that gambling? Yeah. Well, I think at its simplest level, it is not gambling. Because you're, you know, when you buy a stock, you're actually buying something of value. A business, part you're, of a business. You're buying part of a business. Uh, it may increase or it may decrease. There's some risk involved in that. But there's no winner and loser inherent in the proposition. If, if, that, if the value of that stock goes up, everybody gains. Nobody right. has to lose in order for you right. to make a profit if the stock you invested in went up. Right. Uh, if, if it goes down, everybody's a loser. Uh, you know, everybody right. who's invested in that has lost. It just doesn't fit the model. I mean, right. now, I think there are potentially some aspects of stock trading that might come close to the definition of gambling. Uh, uh, I think Kyle in his email mentioned this. Um, he says investments could be a gamble in some sense. However, you would be using your own money to buy a stock or some other asset based on trading done in formal settings. Uh, Proverbs 21.5, he says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of, of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. The gamble or risk would be if the money you invested would Gain or lose value. I think that's the risk. I don't think that's nece- that's not the, a sinful that's gamble. That's not a gamble. That's a risk. That's right. a risk, right. right. Even if you are investing money trying to grow your portfolio, there are dangers. And that, but he mentions the love of money is a sin, so gambling for the gain could be a sin. I think covetousness could creep into stock investments. Right. And some of the practices that people have invented, you know, buying Selling short, buying long, I don't even understand all that stuff. If I had the money to do that, it would be a dangerous world indeed. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, there may be some of the high-end practices that certain investors do, uh, you know, that could become gambling. Uh, We're going to – one of the issues that we might have with gambling is the addictive nature of it. We're going to reserve comment on that till later. But if you got – addictively into taking taking high-end risk on uh, options, buying and selling options and all of that, that that maybe could cross the line into gambling. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not well enough versed in the stock market to be able to say that. But I think just buying and selling stocks at the simplest level is not gambling. Because when it breaks down to it, you're buying and selling property, and it wouldn't be any different than buying or selling a home yeah. or buying or selling a car. That may go up or down in value. Uh, it, it's it just fundamentally isn't based upon what we've outlined. It doesn't the, fit the definition that we've already yeah. qualified as this is what gambling is. Yeah, as we're discussing it, that's wrong. And so anything that you're buying and selling, if there's a if there's a, a product there or something that a tangible there, then it's it may be risky, but it's not gambling because you've purchased something with the hope that it goes up in value and right. that someone else would recognize that value. And, and buy it from you at that point. So that's not – when you get down to it, uh, Jesus in the parable of the men with the talents, there was a five-talent man and a two-talent man and a one-talent man. The five-talent man and the two-talent man took the money that has been given to them and invested it. It specifically says that. they right. And they made a – And there must uh, have been some risk involved because the one-talent man was afraid. He recognized that risk. Yeah. And, he didn't do, and he was actually condemned because Jesus said you could have at least took it to the bank and got interest. Yeah. If you uh, didn't understand investing, so you could have done something. I think right. that's a good point, Mike. Right. Those other guys must have been investing at risk uh, – because the one-talent man, I wasn't willing to take a risk. I was yeah. afraid. Yeah. And so I think that's a good point. Right. Good point. All right. So I think we take by, at its basic level. Now, again, I, uh, there are some practices of some in the stock market that I don't even understand that might cross the line into gambling. But just buying and selling stocks, no, I don't think so. I've heard people say buying insurance is like gambling. And I never have really understood that. When you're buying insurance, you're actually trying to limit your risk. Uh, you're buying financial protection. Really, everybody gains from the proposition. Uh, um, I, I don't, you know, a company 
I guess maybe they might be saying that the risk, or the gamble is on the part of the company. You bought, let's say you bought life insurance. Right. And you're, you're say, the life insurance company is saying, I think you'll outlive this policy. I think you'll live to be 85, and you're only buying insurance until you're 75. And so we think we're going to win this this deal. Right. Well, it's, it's really not the same thing as a winner and a loser. I win because I I have the protection afforded to me and my family by holding that insurance policy in my in my hand. They win because in in the large pool of people they've got who are buying those policies, they come out ahead. And that, some people die sooner than others. Others live longer than others. But they have actuaries who are studying all the probabilities. And they're not taking an uncalculated risk. They know that they're going to end up making money on this in the long run. Right. So they're making money. I'm gaining the value of the protection afforded to me. This doesn't fit the model of gambling. Right. And you don't you you don't intend to use the policy. I don't know that anybody buys insurance planning to use it. You're hoping that you don't. Unless you're trying to defraud somebody, that would be a sin. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Timothy in the chat room says, "My grandfather was half Cherokee, which makes me one eighth Native American." Native Americans on reservations are well known as the poorest people in the United States. This is strongly due to gambling. My aunt was addicted to gambling and almost bankrupt her family, and due to this, almost lost her marriage. So there you appreciate go. Timothy that, that's some that. of that's some of the wor- this world consequences of gambling. I think yeah. you're exactly right, Timothy. And Josh says people want to gamble in order to get rich quickly. The Bible has commanded us to work for our living. The get rich quick idea is widespread. Ecclesiastes chapter five verse ten shows that mindset to be vanity. Not to mention the fact that we are supposed supposed to be good stewards of what we have been given. And so uh, he references Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, which says, uh, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Uh, That is, uh, we see the the folly in uh, in that that get-rich-quick idea. Thank you for that, Josh. Right. Real quickly, uh, we're going to take a break here again, and then and then we're going to get to the heart of the matter. What is sinful about gambling when we come back from our break? But uh, uh, I've heard people say, if you enter a contest in which there are prizes offered, you're gambling. Uh, I don't think so. You know, uh, there are all kind of contests where all you have to do is fill out a card and hand it in. You're not putting up a stake. You don't have anything at risk. Now there's it's a it's an uncertain event whether you will win it or not. You might win, but if you win, nobody else loses. They're not losing a stake that they put up in order to enter the contest. So really, a contest with prizes is not gambling either. I was thinking and, of the passage that uh, that uh, Paul mentioned about uh, you're competing for a crown. First uh, Corinthians nine verse twenty five: Every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. No, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Paul doesn't condemn the folks for winning a prize. Winning a prize. There was a prize involved. They wanted to win that crown, and he doesn't condemn that. Yeah. Uh, finally, real quick, before we take a break, let's, talk, let's make this point. Gambling is not determined by the size or the degree. It's a matter of kind, not degree. Uh, uh, you know, people saying, well, the Powerball lottery only costs $2. Right. You know, what's so bad about it? Just $2. Well, that's not what makes it gambling. It's not the it's not the amount or the level of it's the principle. It's the principle. Right. It doesn't matter if it's two dollars or two hundred dollars. It doesn't matter if it's matching pennies or flipping for a coke. It, that's as much gambling as the lottery or going to Las Vegas. Gamblers Anonymous. Isn't it interesting that there is such a thing as Gamblers Anonymous? We'll talk a little bit more about that when we go on. But Gamblers Anonymous urges members not. To even flip coins to see who's going to buy coffee today at the break table. Okay. If you're a gambler, flipping coins to see who buys coffee, that's gambling. And they say, don't do it. That It's it's an insignificant amount of money. Don't do it because it's it puts you on that track. All right. So we've talked about what is required to be gambling. We've talked about some of the things that are not gambling. Just let me summarize by listing a whole lot of things that I think would be gambling. The lottery. Horse races, dog races, slot machines, raffle tickets, bingo, pitching pennies, flipping for a Coke or a, or a cup of coffee, roulette, dice, poker, uh, games, uh, 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 
of of any sort in which there is you put up a stake in order to to play in it sports gambling on elections uh all of that sort of thing those would fit the bill some of these other things we said don't fit the bill but there's a lot of things out there that do fit the bill of gambling all right we're gonna take a break when we get back we want to get your thoughts what is wrong with gambling why do you think it's a sin let us know uh, we thoughts. haven't had anybody take us up on arguing in favor of gambling. No. Nope. I doubt that we will. So let's talk about what's wrong with what's it. What's wrong with it when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. This is Greg Wynn with this week's Bullet Point. One of the great blessings that God has for his children is the fellowship that they can enjoy as members of a local congregation. We believe that this involvement in a local church is an important part of God's plan for our spiritual well-being. In this special spiritual family, there are things that are expected of all members. Here are some of the things that will help bring praise and glory to God as we work together in the local church. First, each of us must realize that the example we set in the local community has a great potential for good or evil. As a member of a local church, it is expected that you will live a pure, moral life, one that others will be able to observe and imitate. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. The world accepts and even encourages immoral activities, but as Christians, we are not to be of this world. 1 John 2, beginning verse 15. Secondly, we believe that it is the responsibility of each member to seek opportunities to serve their brothers and sisters. Too many view the church from a selfish perspective and seem interested only in what might be done for them. Instead, we understand that greatness in the Lord's kingdom comes from providing humble service. Matthew 23, beginning verse 11. We are to, quote, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. Romans 12, verse 15. There will be many occasions to share in one another's joys and with tenderness and sympathy to bear one another's burdens. As a member of a local body, your help is needed in these important ways. Third, unfortunately, there will be times when a brother or sister may slip back and begin to engage in sinful activities. You will be expected to exercise a care and watchfulness for your brethren in these matters. Hebrews 3, verse 13. There are times when we need to faithfully warn, rebuke, and admonish a fellow member. 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Galatians 6, verse 1. This may even lead to the unpleasant task of withdrawing from an unruly Christian. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 14. Yet your full support is necessary and expected when such is necessary. Fourth, we have a primary mission to spread the gospel to the lost people of this world, Mark 16, verse 15. There are always many in the immediate community and millions worldwide who need to hear about salvation in Christ Jesus. We need the participation of every member to address this urgent need. You can and must do your part to teach the lost souls within your circle of influence. Fifth, it should go without saying that every member of a local congregation should attend every assembly of the saints, Hebrews 10, 25. You should make every effort to attend each of the scheduled services. Personal schedules should be rearranged, activities dropped or modified, and plans made that will allow you to be present at all the worship assemblies and Bible studies. School functions, recreational or sporting events, family get-togethers, or things of this sort do not serve as legitimate excuses for missing any service. Sickness and other unavoidable circumstances may occasionally arise, but the normal practice of every saint should be to attend every assembly. Sixth, the only means authorized by God for the financing of the work of the local church is by means of the free will offering of the members. Such a contribution is collected each Lord's Day, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. You are expected to give regularly and liberally, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. If travels or other matters cause you to be away from the congregation on the Lord's Day, it certainly seems reasonable that provisions would be made to leave your contribution in advance or make up your offering when you return. The ongoing work of the local church depends upon your consistent giving. And finally, every member of a local body of believers has a personal responsibility to maintain peace with and among their fellow members, Ephesians 4, beginning verse 1. We acknowledge that situations arise wherein feelings may become hurt or bad judgments may lead to disagreements. It is the duty of each Christian to seek immediate resolution of these matters, Matthew 5:24 and Matthew 18, beginning verse 15. Our rule is this, in matters of faith or doctrine, we can make no compromise, Jude verse 3. However, in matters of judgment or opinion, we should be humbly submissive, 1 Peter 5 verse 6. Troublemakers, gossips, and those who promote strife cannot be tolerated, Proverbs 6 beginning verse 16. So, your conscientious effort to fulfill your personal responsibilities in the local congregation are critical to our effectiveness and to bring glory to the Lord. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. 
Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight, and as the announcer just mentioned, you can catch us on our website anytime you miss a program or go back and listen to the 10 plus, almost 11, we're going on 11 years now, of the virtual Bible study. Check it out, thevirtualbiblestudy.com is the address to use, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you've never been there, check it out. You can find out more about us, what we believe, what we practice, and you can find out directions to come and meet with us. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we'd love for you to come and be with us. As we talk about gambling on the program tonight, uh, Timothy in the chat room says, uh, why is is it the poorest neighborhoods are the ones with the most gambling? This is proven in the area of South Dallas in the area of Oak Cliff, which is the poorest part of town. The most lottery tickets are bought in this area. Why is this? This is a poor people tax, Timothy concludes. The t- this tax helps the middle class for the p- for the most part, in which it helps with college tuition. Yeah, I've always thought that. And we're gonna, oh, that's one of the principles I want to talk about here in a minute. But you think about this, a lot of people justify the lottery because the money, supposedly the profits of it, are being used to, for education, especially college education, to fund right. scholarships right. and so forth. If you think about that, Wealthy people are not buying lottery tickets. Right. Poor people are buying lottery tickets because they're hoping to get rich. Rich people already get rich, and they're not. And they're too smart to spend their money on a on a wild risk, uh, unlikely prospect of winning a, a, a lottery ticket. Yeah. So poor people are buying them. Rich people aren't. So the money's coming from the poor people. What are they using the money for? Yeah. To send the rich people's kids to school. Right. That's just crazy. I, I think that's one of the most. One of the greatest social injustices that exists in our country right. today. You know, we, people all up in the arms about social injustice. Well, right there's, I think, probably the one of the biggest culprits of social injustice, taking money from the poor to send the rich kids to school. That's just wrong. Well, uh, guest 3588 says, why are such activities always prefaced as helping children or to pay for education? If it were such an innocent pursuit. And that's the, that is, they sort of shrouded in the, don't, don't worry about, the moral issues of this. Look because at the good we can use good. it for. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Let me let me suggest some things, and, and you all chime in with some of these things that I think makes gambling a sin. First of all, as, as we hinted at earlier, gambling is addictive. Uh, I think it's interesting that there is such a thing as Gamblers Anonymous. Isn't that amazing? It is. If there's, you know, we think of we think of Alcoholics Anonymous. Why why do we have to have Alcoholics Anonymous? Because people get addicted to alcohol, right? right. So why is there gambling anonymous? Because people get addicted to gambling yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, uh, a fella at- a fella named Horace Livingston in a book called The Science of Chance said, "Quote: Gamblers gamble as lovers love, as drunkards drink, inevitably, blindly." under the dictates of a, a vicious force, or irresistible force, excuse me. So they they operate under the dictates of an irresistible force. Yeah. So they're, they're addicted to it. Now, where will we go in the Bible to, to show that we should not do things that are addictive? Well, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 Paul says, I will not be brought under the power of anything. The New American Standard Version says, uh, I will not be mastered by anything. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea of an addiction. And Paul said he wouldn't let that happen to him. And as we as Christians should not let that happen to us either. I think that that verse states the principle of not doing things that prove to be addictive. All right. 877-381-4567. We know of... of Sports figures have been notorious over the years for being addicted to gambling. Pete Rose, others who have just that lost all sense of control and and ruined their lives because of this addiction. Yeah, exactly right. So, it, it, and, and anybody who would argue that it's not, it just hasn't done any research on the subject because all kinds of information say people get addicted to gambling. All right. Why, why do you go? Why do people go broke? In other words, well, let's say I take ten thousand dollars and go to Las Vegas. And I lose the first thousand. Uh, I'm getting out of here. I'm, I've got. I've still got nine. I'm not going to lose the no. rest. No. What do I do? I keep. I keep spending. I and I end up broke. But right. I, when good sense would have told me, don't do it to start with. And certainly, after you've lost part of it, save the rest of. It. 
No, because I'm drawn in. I'm addicted to it. I'm sucked into the addictive nature of the right. practice. All right. Guest 3588 chimes in with another comment that's beneficial. Proverbs 15, verse 27. He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. And that goes go along with that idea of addictiveness, is that uh, greedy for gain, you're troubling your own house. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, so addiction is one problem. A second problem that makes gambling sinful is covetousness. And that's along the lines of what uh, Kyle has said in the chat room. Uh, he says the lottery under the guise of funding scholarship, I'm sorry, this is in his email, funding scholarships, feeds on the public's desire for greed. Greed is covetousness, as in Romans 1, verses 28 through 32, as he, and he quotes that, and as even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, and the list of, of sins goes on. But covetousness is one of those things that those with the reprobate mind that have totally forsaken God pursue. And he goes on and says, for an act to be gambling, in the covetous sense, I would say there is a prize, trying to attain what you haven't earned through earnest labor. It's pulling the money of many at risk in the hopes of uh, a windfall, the lottery pockets half the money spent on tickets and put the rest in the pot and the cycle starts again and so he says it is covetousness that is wanting what someone else has yeah and wanting to take that from them covetousness by definition is an inordinate desire to gain without giving something of equal value to get at the expense of others is the idea of covetousness fits perfectly what gambling is um colossians 3 Verse 5 in the New American Standard Version says, Therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Uh, the, the, the King James Version says covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is a sin. Uh, Kyle went on in his email to mention First Timothy 6, verse 10. First Timothy 6, 10 says, The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after... They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So covetousness is a big part of the of the defining sin of gambling. It is covetousness. It it fits that definition exactly, and that's why Christians certainly should not. And and again, it's not whether they they're gambling big sums of money, even a little bit, is exposing that covetousness in us. We want that, and we want to get without giving. Uh, we we have an inordinate desire to gain of right. uh, this world's goods. And All right, so we've talked about two things that we believe the Scriptures show that would be wrong. Again, the Scriptures don't explicitly say don't gamble, gambling is a sin in those words. But it sets forth principles, principles that we can use in application, principles that we use in application on a wide variety of subjects, not just gambling where we compare the action with the principles that are stated in the Scriptures, and we determine if that action is acceptable or if it's not. We're comparing the act of gambling with principles presented in the Scriptures. We see two principles here that cause us to understand that gambling is something that must be avoided. It is addictive, and furthermore, it is an act of covetousness, which is condemned, and we simply cannot be engaged in acts of covetousness. We need to take a break, and when we get back to going to the top of the hour... Maybe some of our listeners will tell us uh, arguments they believe support the act, and if not, we're going to look at more act, uh, more principles that we believe show that the act of gambling must be avoided. We'll talk, take your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We'll go to the top of the hour right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, there it stands. Emperors decree its extermination, there it stands. Atheists rail against it, there it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, there it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it, there it stands. Unbelief abandons it, there it stands. 
Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. We're talking trends on the virtual Bible study. Nearly all Americans age 15 and over, 96% in fact, engaged in some sort of leisure activity. Watching TV was the leisure activity that occupied the most time, 2.8 hours per day, and that accounted for more than half of leisure time on average for those 15 and over. That information is via the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The Word of God says in Ephesians 5, beginning verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program, going to the top of the hour, talking about gambling and what the scriptures teach on it. Again, we're looking at principles since we can't find anywhere the word, we can't find the word gamble or gambling in the scriptures, but principles must guide our lives. And we're looking at principles Inter- that gambling would violate. Interesting question from in the chat room from uh, uh, 9878 in the chat room. says, could some churches that are heavy into the prosperity gospel be considered similar to gambling? People are giving more money to the collection plate expecting a greater reward. Well, of course, that we, we have a lot of times addressed the health and wealth gospel on the virtual Bible study. We think it's completely erroneous, of course. But I don't think it would fit the mold of or the definition of gambling as we've defined it tonight. Because if, if I give $1,000 into the collection plate under, under the hope of getting $10,000 back, if that happened, I don't think that happens. You know, some, t- some of those false teachers at these megachurches and on television will try to make those kind of promises. <coughs> so they're not telling the truth. But if it did happen... Who would lose? Nobody would be a loser in, in that kind of a deal. Uh, so there's not a winner and a loser uh, in that in that sort of an arrangement. So it wouldn't be – there's lots wrong with it. I think there's lots wrong with it, but I don't think it would be gambling by definition. Okay. All right. Uh, Tim, Timothy in the chat room, devil's advocate, does uh, Solomon, say, or Solomon say time and chance happen to them all, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11? He does say that in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11. Does that then say, well, I can throw dice, I can buy lottery tickets because time and chance is going to happen to us all? Uh, that, that's really not talking about anything financial or a stake. Well, it could uh, be financial, but it's not necessarily a, yeah, a stake. Uh, you know, I might get robbed on the way home tonight. Someone might stop me at gunpoint and take whatever little money I've got in my wallet. Time and chance happens there, and people get robbed. I mean, it, it, it you know... But that's not the same as gambling, so I don't, I don't, I don't yeah, think he's, that. And he's 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 just throwing that in there for the sake yeah. of discussion. I think, uh, okay. Uh, Josh says I've heard people claim that if they won the lottery, then they would give part of the money to the Lord. So also I tried to justify his disobedience by saying that there would be a sacrifice in First Samuel chapter fifteen, verses nineteen through twenty-two. It's a good parallel, Josh. Thanks I, for I think that's that. a good point, Josh. You know, Sam, uh, Saul tried to argue to Samuel. Well, it's okay that I didn't obey the God. Oh, I didn't obey God because we are going to give some of this in sacrifice to God that we weren't supposed to bring back, but we did, but we're going to offer it as sacrifice, so they'll make it okay, won't it? No, it won't. It won't and Samuel plainly told him that. You know, God wants obedience rather than sacrifice. And guess 9878 says, could some churches that are heavily into the prosperity gospel be considered similar to gambling? That, that's what I was just Oh, you did? I'm sorry. Yeah, you yeah, just yeah, said, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, people are throwing in their money, yeah. I don't but, think yeah, it's gambling. Yeah, right, There's a lot right, wrong right. with it, but yeah. I don't think it's gambling. Okay. And uh, Tim uh, references Ephesians 5, tw- uh, 4, 28, let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let, rather let him labor, working with his hands that which is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Timothy says work ethic is violated. The work ethic we see here in Ephesians 4, verse 28, is violated with the act of gambling. Well, well that's one of the reasons why I think it's wrong. It violates what we call the legitimate transfer of money or property. The, the, the Bible describes the way I might transfer something to you or you might transfer something to me. The, the, the ways that we can gain or exchange things of value is by labor. And I think Ephesians 4.28 that he mentions is a good verse along that. We can, we can do it by, by trade. Uh, you know, or I can sell something. I can exchange. In other words, 
And if, in Acts chapter 4, the Christians who had property sold it so they could give the money to the needy, other needy Christians in the Jerusalem church. So that would be fair exchange. So labor, fair exchange, giving of gifts, that's one way that we can make an exchange of things of value. I don't know really anything else that the Bible defines as a legitimate means of transferring money or property. Labor, fair exchange, gifts. Certainly gambling is not in that. He also references 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 11 and 12, that you uh, aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are, at, who are outside and that you may lack nothing. Again, uh, he references that biblical work ethic that's presented, which would uh, be contradicting the idea of gambling. All right. And he goes on, he, uh, Timothy adds, most of those who win the lottery uh, later turn up bankrupt. That's another one of the things I had on my list that would make gambling sinful, and that is it's just purely bad stewardship. And I think we are expected to be good stewards of the things God has blessed us with, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Timothy 4, verse 10 says, As every man hath received the gift, so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, I think that's talking especially about spiritual blessings, but I think the principle would apply to physical blessings as well. God expects us to be good stewards. I had a quote here from uh, about a man named John W. Bet-A-Million Gates. Oh, wow. So, so his his name was John W. Gates, but his nickname was Bet-A-Million Gates. Bet-A-Million. He was famous for bridge at $1,000 a point, $50,000 a hand at poker. He ended up giving this advice. Don't gamble. Don't bet on cards. Don't bet on horse races. Don't throw dice. You know why he gave that advice? No. He died broke. Ah. Bet-A-Million Gates. He died broke. It's bad stewardship. And I think that's what... Uh, Timothy was ex- uh, uh, suggesting in the chat room. Monty, we've been quiet uh, on that end of the, th- of the board tonight. Uh, what do you think? Well, as we quite often talk about the Bible authorizes us, <clears throat> we look to the authority of the Bible for basically every aspect of our life. And as we were just talking about a minute ago, the Bible has given us authority to work for a living to make money. Uh, as we talked about, he's given us authority to, to trade goods or invest to, to make money, and he's talked about giving gifts to make money. And like Greg said, it, it basically falls uh, our ways of receiving money or value is covered in those three things. And gambling is clearly outside that. So if we didn't have any other reasons like addictions or covetousness or whatever, it's outside the way that God has authorized us to for to, authority. To, for, we don't have authority mm-hmm. to do gambling in order to increase our wealth. All right, uh, I like what Kyle says here, and this is a good way to to get our thoughts headed towards the end of the program. He says, First uh, Timothy chapter six, verses ten to eleven says, "For the love of money is the root of all evil, which some, having coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows." Oh, but thou, O man of God, <coughs> flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. We need to be content in what we have. Look to the example of Paul in Philippians 4, verses 9 through 13. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And uh, and Kyle says we need to be content. And, and part of that being content would be avoiding the love of money, which is the real So lack of a contentment is another thing that makes it sinful. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, I got a couple other things real quickly here. One, another thing I think makes it wrong is it, it violates the principles of love and the golden rule. All we right. know the yeah. so-called golden rule. Right. In Matthew chapter seven verse twelve, all things whatsoever you would that man should do unto you, do you even so to them? For this is the law and prophets. I want to take that guy's money. I want. To, I want to gain at his loss. Yeah. That's not right. And I'm not manifesting a love for others when I do that. So I think it violates the principles of love and the golden rule. And then something that we cannot 
overlook is that gambling is associated with all other kinds of evil. Uh, I had a statistic here about Atlantic City in New Jersey where it has become famous for the casinos there. Before the casinos were legalized and built in Atlantic City, there were 5,000 crimes per year uh, that were reported. The first year the casinos were open, there were 12,000 crimes. Crime more than doubled in one year's time with uh, uh, legalized gambling. Jimmy the Greek, some of our listeners will remember Jimmy the Greek. He's dead now, but he was a famous gambler. He was very famous uh, gambling on sporting events in particular. But Jimmy the Greek said, quote, when you put legalized gambling into a community, you ruin the community. Wow. Again, this is not a new problem. George Washington is quoted as having said that gambling is the child of avarice, that's, of course, greed, and the brother of iniquity, the father of mischief. George Washington said that. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover, famous with the FBI of a generation ago, said gambling is a vicious evil. It corrupts our youth and blights the lives of adults. It becomes the springboard for other crimes, embezzlement, robbery, and even murder. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 20, by their fruits ye shall know them. Right. The evil fruits of gambling are well known, and all of those would be reasons why a child of God would stay far away from it. All right. Excellent comments. Now, uh, Timothy says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, uh, 17 through 20, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, they should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being un- alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in, of the ignorance that is in them, because of the dark blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. Timothy concludes: Those who are blind because of sin have problems seeing the issues with gambling. And certainly, I think that's right. You know, if, if and I have known and I have known Christians and I. I, w- I wouldn't want to venture a guess as to how many professed Christians and w- were buying lottery tickets this week on that right. $1.5 billion Powerball right. drawing. I've known Christians who've tried to justify it, but there's no justification for it. It's become socially acceptable. Yeah. And things that are socially acceptable usually are acceptable to Christians. And what I've said a lot of times is we're not out here at the leading edge of this increased immorality, but right. we're letting the world drag us along pretty closely behind right timothy says gambling and alcohol increase crime in the area in which have we have uh which have been allowed when restricted uh so certainly uh know them by their fruits christians need to start judging their activities by the scriptures not by what the world around them thinks is okay and and and, you know how strong is our conviction is I'm pretty strong against this gambling thing, but man, if that Powerball gets up over a billion dollars, maybe it's okay. Man, just this once, I'll just do a little. Right. We got to be. We got to. It doesn't matter what the what the potential reward might be if it's an evil reward gained by a, a, a immoral act. We can't justify it. Money. Closing thoughts. You know, like you said, it doesn't matter what the reward is. If we gained the whole world and lost our soul, we've lost it all. So it's, it's a sinful activity. We need to avoid sinful activities. And this one's something easy to do. Just say no and don't do it. That's right. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do any of it. You know, uh, some sins are just cut and dried black and white. You know, uh, uh, you know for, for instance, we talk about drinking. And some, someone tries to compare drinking with overeating. Well, they're not, they're not parallel at all. I have to eat some. And so I have to guard against overeating. Yeah. I don't have to drink any. I, mean, I don't none. have to gamble any. And I don't have to gamble any. That's that's just just shut that off completely. You know, never even deal with that. All right. Here's a question. We're, we're out of time. I got called on the carpet by a lady one time for using the phrase, I bet. What do you think about that, Monty? Yeah, yeah. I bet it's cold outside. Well, we had a virtual Bible study a while back where we talked about figures of speech that we might use and yeah. euphemisms, yeah. and we discussed in that that we need to make sure we understand the figures of speech we're using to make sure we're not saying something we shouldn't mean, make sure we understand what it means. And maybe we shouldn't say, I bet that it's cold outside. I mean, I don't have to use that phrase. Yeah, and but I think people, I, I agree. I think people nitpick us to death sometimes over things and, like and, that. And, yeah. and the thing of it is, Expressions change meaning over time yeah. too, and you know that that figure of speech has come to mean I imagine. Yeah, 
it is my guess that it's really cold outside right yeah. now. I bet no it's one, cold outside. Nobody, nobody is thinks assuming you're making, that you're a, making bet. a wager. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with you on yeah. that. Uh, uh, 3588 says sin will always take you farther than you wanted to go or intended to go. And Timothy says if the Powerball was divided amongst every American, each individual in the U.S. would have 4.3 million. No, I, 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 I think we missed a decimal point there someplace. Maybe four dollars and thirty-three cents. Yeah, four dollars and thirty-three cents. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ninety-eight seventy-eight was quick with the calculator on that. So. Yeah. All right. All right. Good, good discussion tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you guys for your time. Thank you, Monty. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study His inspired Word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.